This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Philip Malloy is here to talk uh, films. Uh, Philip Malloy, of course, from the Picture Show every Saturday at six here on News Talk. Philip, I'm going to start with a compliment for you. Oh. Uh, Paul has said, please, please thank Philip Malloy's team for me. My daughter Spider Man, my daughter Spider Man prize uh, from his movie show arrived today. She's a very happy teenager today. Yeah, um, actually, we got, we got them from Sony. And um, there were goodie bags. There were what they call goodie bags. And so you know, you get all kinds of goodie bags. Sometimes they're they're, they're kind of almost cast offs. Uh, but every now and then you get a really good one. And those were I thought those were great. Oh, fantastic! Well, look, any other comments, comments, insu- <laughs> insults, whatever <laughs> questions, questions. Actually, not insults. Questions yeah. for Philip. Uh, drops text five two one zero six at a cost of thirty cent. Um, now you want to start with this film Pride, which I have to say. Um, quite interested in. Tell, tell us a little bit about the film. Well, okay. Obviously, it's set in, well, maybe not obviously, it's set in 1984. And for basically the whole of that year, you had a famous kind of minor strike um, in the UK. And this is a story uh, about a group of gay and uh, lesbians who operated out of a gay bookshop in London. And they found sort of common cause with the miners in that they sort of both felt that they were basically being victimized. True story, based on a true story, is it? It is, yeah, Yeah. based uh, on being victimized by the conservative government. So what happened was they decided, uh, this group of gay activists, they decided to start raising money for the miners. And uh, of course, uh, initially, the miners were embarrassed by the whole idea of it. And NUM, that's the National Union of Mine Workers headquarters, they refused uh, to take the money. So what the, um, the gays eventually did was they adopted this village in South Wales and they, they linked up with them. They continued to raise money and the money went towards this village and, and you know, it went towards the miners in the village. So that's that's basically that's the premise. It. That's who, it. Who, good cast. Oh, geez, stop there! Like a good cast. Bill Nye is in it. Um, there's oh, there's absolutely great Dominic great people. West. In it. Dominic West is in it. Paddy Considine is just great in it. Um, uh, and that Irish actor Andrew Scott is in it, and uh, Imelda Staunton is in it. And the, uh, Imelda Staunton and Bill Nye together are just gorgeous. They're just wonderful. He plays he plays a Welshman, and he's one of these um, he's one of these characters that you often find attached to clubs of various kind kinds. He's a guy who knows the history of the area. He knows some poetry. He speaks fluent Welsh, and uh, uh, so he's kind of he's he's um, he's kind of crucial. Uh, to the the local mine mine sort of setup, mm. and uh, there's a oh, there's a wonderful scene in it between him and Imelda Stalton, where the two of them are in this city in this hall, and uh, they're preparing for a group of people to arrive, and they're 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 uh, making sandwiches basically, and he admits to her, I'm not giving too much away here, he admits to her that he's gay, and uh, you know, and and basically you get this incredible response from her. Uh, I won't give it away, but it's a wonderful scene. The two of them together have a great chemistry and uh, they're lovely actors. Again, um, uh, Dominic West, he plays, I don't suppose we're used to him playing this guy, but he plays quite a a flagrant sort of gay person in it and he he, he walks away with the film almost. He's wonderful. Okay. Um, Interesting. Very, very very good script, uh, especially the first half. Really lovely, sort of sharp and tart dialogue. And you mentioned before we came on, you mentioned some other sort of uh, local area movies. That, and, and, and as well, there are kind of 
social history kind of uh, movies as well, like Made in Dagenham. Yeah. The, and uh, well, I, I, I was going to say to you, I yeah. I watched. It just happened by coincidence. I happened to watch it. Brassed off was on telly uh, last mm. week, which was also well, it was actually set ten years on from the yeah. mine dispute, uh, but it was it was about a, a mine sh- yeah. shutting down. My problem with films... That was a very poor script. I yeah, it was yeah. it was clunky and heavy-handed. Yeah. But my problem with my with films about the miners' dispute tends to be that they're overly simplistic. Mm. They have a very sentimental view mm. of the mines and they portray the Tory government and Margaret Thatcher as ca- you know, in a caricature kind of way. That well, it's e- it's I, good, I, ag- it's I, good I, against I, I, the I evil. I firmly believe that she was a caricature. There's actually... there's a She only appears in one scene in, in the movie uh, in a television uh, interview. And she come across, comes across as a caricature of, of leadership. She talks about not being uh, not being a softie. You know, I mean, for God's sake. This is the National Union of Miners that yeah. literally brought, know, that know, brought know, down know, a government I'm, 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 I'm four not, years later. Yeah, you know why they did it? Because okay, they could okay, do it. Were, they're supposed, well, I don't know whether it was because oh, they yeah, could they do, do it. They, they, they literally know. set out to bring down a government in the And one of the kind of current views or one of the views at the time was that she was getting him back for that because they had brought down the Teddy. Well, I think I think, I think she was just deciding that 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 the government of the day would rule the country. I think she was doing what she did with the sinking of the Belgrano during the Falklands War, she was showing her muscle. Mm. Um, of course, this was a strike that, that workers didn't even ballot on. I mean, that's the, look, I'm just, what I'm, the only point I'm saying is I don't think there was yeah. right exclusively on, on one side. I think it's a, I no. think it's a little more complex no, 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 than absolutely. some of these films. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, point. absolutely. And uh, I, in terms of complexity, uh, it, it really... Um, I suppose it doesn't show the the story. It doesn't tell the story from the the miners' point of view. It's more more. It's it's balanced more towards the gay people. Yeah, it? yeah. And uh, there are some of them. Some of the dialogue they have is great, and uh, they're 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 well drawn characters. They're filled out. And one of the things about it is there's about there's about a dozen sort of fully drawn out characters in it, fully uh, written characters in. It. So Which I, you, you I don't like, get too often. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Uh, it's it's two hours long, and when you is go, that, is yeah, that, is that long? Well, when you, yeah, well, when you go up towards two hours, you better have something going for you. Yeah. You know, you better have a well kind of structured script. You better have strong performance. And uh, I, I think this has. Uh, I'd recommend it. OK. Interesting how Britain has changed, though, as well, isn't it? Yeah. That 30 years ago, the, the, the NUM, one of the more radical unions. Yeah. Didn't, wouldn't take money well, from from a, a no, gay and lesbian organisation. Yeah, yeah. But again, and and again, that's not hidden. It's not the prejudice is not sort of hidden, uh, is not sh- shirked um, in, in any way, and 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 obviously it was just blatant prejudice. Yeah. You know, they were taking money, I presume, from all kinds of quarters. Yeah, I'm happy to get it, basically, because there were were difficult times. Um, I like to look at the the second film you have on your list today. um, John John le Carre um, A Most Wanted Man. Yeah. Yeah, And the the thing about it, by the way, is that it was the last, I think, completed film uh, made by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, he's he's in uh, the Hunger Games, the Mockingjay, and he hadn't finished all his scenes in that. And what they've done, I gather, is they've uh, they've they've used some sort of digital apparatus to um, to to help him or to fill out a scene that he hadn't completed. But anyway, uh, this, as you say, is a um, is a, is based on a John Le Carre book. And what the thing one of the thing about it is there's a caption at the beginning, uh, which reminds the the audience that that Hamburg. Um, uh, was the place that the the nine eleven terrorists had actually gathered uh, to plan their operation before nine mm. eleven, and that th- they hadn't been caught because there was a rivalry between the uh, the local um, security bodies, and um, 
So this is there, and what it does is this caption appears, and what it does is basically it sets up the whole thing because the the rivalry remains. Now I don't know if you if you have you read this book, you haven't. No, I haven't actually. Yeah, and it's very well. Obviously, it's a very kind of a Lacari esque type story. What we expect from him in that Philip Seymour Hoffman he plays this kind of sky ma- or spy master who ha- who's the head of a unit that has been specially set up to prevent the kind of thing that happened with 9-11, you know. So what happens is that when the when the potential jihadists or whatever, when they arrive um, in Hamburg, he, uh, he he puts his team on him and basically, try, you know, tries to figure out what they're up to. And uh, so what happens here is this young man, uh, this uh, young Muslim arrives. Um, he... Uh, his father had put his father, who was a Russian, had put a lot of money that was that wasn't sort of um, that basically that he had stolen had in a local bank. And so the boy is there. This young fella is there to claim the money and pass it on. He wants to pass it on to a charity. Well, at the same time, then the uh, the unit uh, headed by the spy master is investigating him, and he's also investigating the charity. And uh, there are other various other um, uh, bodies and organisations involved as well. The thing about it is that in in the book, um, there's a banker in it, uh, and he's the lead character in the book. He's played by William Dafoe in the film, and he uh, he kind of has this kind of spiritual awakening, which is partly egged on by his relationship with this civil rights lawyer uh, played by Rachel McAdams and the two of them are the main characters in it and what they've done and the, ter- the third third character in the book um, is the character here played by Philip Seymour Hoffman so he's the hero he's a, a, a George Smiley remember George Smiley he's a George Smiley type character yeah um, I, I was going to ask actually because yeah, I mean when we think when we think of Le Carre, you th- and, and you think uh, Tinker Taylor yeah uh, is it of that ilk? Is it as good as that? Because no, I thought that was no, that was brilliant. No, actually. it's not as good as the film. Okay, and and um, I think that I think that because of the way they've done it, they've made it in some ways they've made it more cinematic. Uh, but I think that in terms of depth and sort of richness, um, it loses out. But it, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Is he good? I, in it, yeah. got, I just I just uh, kind of encourage people to go and see it for him. And to think about what we've missed in in his death. Yeah. What what um, Rachel McAdams like? She's an actress. I'm not quite sure yeah, about. I have yeah, to say. Yeah. Yeah. She's got lots of chances. You know. She's yeah. got Lots of opportunities. And um, uh, she's she's quite good here. Um, as I say, the the character is much bigger. It's a much more filled out character in the book. Um, but she's I think she's convincing enough. She, as I say, she's this um, civil rights lawyer who takes on the case of the. Uh, of this young uh, Arab guy who arrives in Hamburg, so um, it's good. Okay, um, good but not great. It's good. Is that yeah, the kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. Good, but um, it could have been better. Okay, uh, Eva has texted in to say went to a preview of Pride last night. Great cast, witty script, very moving. Deserves to have a huge audience. Mm. It's it's a lovely mm. film. You you go along with that. Big I time, take it. Um, come here. We need to uh, we need to take a break. Okay. Um, go you, you've got a quiz question, have you? To, oh yeah. Uh, to okay. wet the appetite okay. for the break. Um, well, basically, uh, the question is, um, who is this, and what's the name of the movie? It's a great thing when you realize you still have the ability to surprise yourself. Makes you wonder what else you can do that you've forgotten about. Yeah, hundreds of people uh, texting in with, <laughs> right, with the right texting with the right answer. What else you can do? That you yeah, uh, Vincent, Jennifer, John, Paul, Mary, all the rest. Yeah, and actually, my wife Ev, who texted me during the break with the uh, American American View. I didn't know it, but she yeah. did. Yeah. Um, 
uh, yeah, but uh, and it wasn't uh, Jeff Goldblum, Jer. Uh, <laughs> so, that's but, a, yeah, that's an interesting one. And off saying it was Jeff Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I, I can sort of see where yeah, they're coming yeah, from. Yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. Um, anyway, the winner is Ellie and Limerick. It was, of course, Kevin Spacey uh, in uh, American Beauty. Uh, but Ellie and Limerick, you win our Netflix and uh, he, subscription. He won the the second of his Best Actor Oscars for that. He had won the first one about four years earlier for The Usual Suspects. Remember The Usual Suspects? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good film. And, uh, so. Um, I, it was on the other night I watched it I watched about half an hour and then I, I headed to bed um, I thought it was brilliant the first time I saw it watching it again I thought it, I thought it was a little bit self-regarding yeah yeah. the second time that's always a danger yeah yeah you're just looking at it <laughs> yeah. but it was I just I, like it was so impressed with how yeah. ironic and funny, funny it was it was the first time yeah yeah I haven't, lo- I haven't looked at it in ages now, so I must look at it again. Okay. A um, couple of texts uh, yeah. coming in. We were talking about uh, Philip Seymour Hoff- uh, Hoffman before uh, the break. Uh, I'm just looking for the text here. Yeah, John says, um, where do you rate Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Philip, and what's his favourite role? John thinks he'll go down as one of the greats. Yeah, well, he. he I think you have to say Capote. And that was the one for which he won the Oscar. He won mm. the Oscar, he won a BAFTA, he won a Golden Globe. He, basically, he cleaned up with it. And... Um, one of the, you know, um, there's a, a director, a well, highly regarded, hugely regarded um, director called Paul Thomas Anderson. And uh, he used them in five of the six movies he did. And I always think that's a great sort of uh, expression of the respect and that, that people had for him. Um, but uh, I, oh, I, he was 46 years of age when he died at the beginning of February. And uh, I just think that he's a huge, huge loss. I mean, he had yeah, well, he 30 was, or 40 yeah, years of making films. Absolutely. He, he had that and he was he was about actually to make his second film as a director as well. He made one called Jack Goes Boating a few years before. And uh, oh, I think he's a huge, huge loss. I think he's a super talented guy. OK, Tom wants to know, Philip, do you like to watch movies at home? Uh, do you, I, I imagine you have a makeshift mini cinema in your shed or in a separate room no. or do you watch it with the kids running around like the rest of us <laughs> what I have is what we have is we have two quite big screens okay one upstairs in the bedroom and one uh, downstairs and so basically I go to one and the kids go to the other that's the way it works and as well then I have a study and I have about I have about 3000 DVDs in the study and I have a good sort of supply of uh, film soundtracks as well, and mm. about eight hundred books. And, and do you have one of those loungers like like Fraser's no, dad, no, where no, you can uh, you no, put no, the feet up? No, no, I I always I just sit on the floor and lie with my back to the bed or whatever. So you've got a great excuse. I mean, you can say, "Look, Daddy's working." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that. <laughs> well, that's what the wife says. Yeah. Come so, um, here. Um, let's talk about some of the other films on yeah. release. Um, Box Trolls is is it, is that a kids movie or it's no, no? Well, the thing about um, and we, we we're going through this golden sort of age, I think, of, oh, of uh, yeah, of yeah, animation, brilliant. of feature length animation movies, um, and uh, and one of the things about them is that, as as you know, uh, is that um, is that some of the script are aimed at both kids and grown-ups. Yeah, you know, little, and they little work. knowing jokes in there for yeah, the, the parents. Yeah, and, and sort of Pixar, I think, pioneered that. Um, this is is uh, is one, and it's it's basically, uh, I'm trying to think for a, minute, for a minute who the, the, oh yeah, sorry, it's Universal. And it's it's basically, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, I think, a colorful stop-motion animation film. And it's based on a book that was issued in 2005 called Here Be Monsters. And it's about this abandoned boy who's raised by these well-meaning trolls who live below the streets, the kind of winding streets in this little town called uh, Cheesebridge. 
and egg egg, egg sorry is the boy's name and he's he he's growing up uh, and he never he never knows that he's human as he's growing up and uh, until the, the trolls kind of face this dilemma uh, the, the the people of the town accuse him of kidnapping children and of stealing cheese these are a, a cheese obsessed um, uh, people and this villain then called Archibald Snatcher who's uh, who's voiced in the film by Ben Kingsley um he he plans basically to exterminate the trolls and so um um eggs he goes to this um this kind of hoity uh, heiress uh, to help him basically save the trolls. It's uh, it's okay. The trolls basically they're they're dressed in these kind of um, crumpled up uh, wooden boxes and cardboard boxes, I should say. And uh, the kind of the way they're dressed, it it lends I I, I think uh, it lends for, to a sort of very kind of colourful look, which is uh, which is mac- matched in the background in the in the area where they live as well. And uh, the script is really very sharp and colourful, and um, the. The, uh, the voice acting is great. Tony Collette is in it and Elle Fanning and, as I said, Ben Kingsley. I liked it a lot. Yeah, you thought it was good? Yeah. I okay. Did, yeah. Um, Paul has texted in, uh, Philip. He wants yeah. to know your opinion on The Last Valley with Michael Caine. Yeah, George has mentioned this um, um, a few times. It was it was directed by a novelist. I'm trying to think of his name at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's set during the, is it the 30 Years' War? It's set during one of those wars, anyway, yeah. and um, it's 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 quite. I haven't looked James at James Clavell. James Clavell, that's right. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Type, and you're right. It is Taipan, wasn't war. it? He did, and various books like that. And uh, Michael Caine plays a mercenary. Yeah, Omar yeah, Sharif is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's basically a clash between the two of those. That's it's that kind of story. Um, I haven't looked at it now in ages, but it was. Um, I was quite impressed by it at the time. I think. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, I might check that one out myself. Yeah, I yeah, like the look of it. Yeah. Um, now, when I was in my days, when I was into my big time into my music and yeah. buying the NME and all that kind yeah. of stuff, and I always trying to check out what the latest cool band was. Like I, I don't, know, I don't have time for that anymore. Um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed was always a name that kept coming up, and no matter how hard I tried, I could just never get into him at all. Yeah, and he's got a. Well, I, 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 I haven't. I'm actually, I'm more into him. He writes film scripts as well. You know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, actually. he wrote a, a really good Australian western called The Proposition, and another another kind of um, prohibition era um, set gangster movie called uh, Lawless. And uh, I have to say, I'm I'm much more impressed with him as a. I'm, I'm sure there'll be people out there who consider consider this sacrilegious, but I'm much more impressed by him as a oh, screenwriter. Yeah. People love people definitely love his music. So what yeah. what's this twenty okay, day twenty thousand twenty thousand days? days and just to explain the title, that's the length of his life. Oh, okay. And that I I think the the, the fact that he called it that is almost a little self indulgent. Yeah, absolutely, perhaps. absolutely, <laughs> it's self regarding. Yeah, that would be nice. And, and and anyway, it's this um, feature length uh, documentary, and it's a kind of a portrait portrait of him as a composer performer, and then it provides insights into his kind of how he discovered rock and roll, uh, his attitude to living in Brighton. He lives in Brighton, and uh, his his. Um, his his yeah, has comments to make about his his life at home, his life with members of the Bad Seed, um, and so on. And it's supposed to give you a sort of fairly filled out or impressionistic uh, portrait of this guy. Um, Cave is the producer; he's the co-writer, and he also he's on screen most of the time. And I think that's basically the problem. I think that the film is not objective enough about him. 
Okay. You know, so. Not great? No, not great. All right, okay. Um, come here, we were talking earlier on the programme about economic cycles and how relentless they were, but the, yeah. the, the movie industry cycle is pretty relentless as well. Yeah. We're already starting to wonder about That's who's going to win the Oscars yeah, next yeah. year. Well, one of the things that tends to happen is that at this time of the year in August and September, okay, summer is over. Um, especially as far as far as the big Hollywood film studios are concerned. And in September, then you get into a trio um, of film festivals. One is Telluride, the other is Venice, and then the biggest of them all is Toronto, which is a vast film festival. And what tends to happen is that you get um, the critics and, and feature writers and so on, they get an opportunity to see what's coming up for over a period of six months or certainly to, to the end of the year. And to qualify for the Oscars, you have to uh, release in two cities in America before the end of the year. So, um, so what they do is they get the opportunity to see these and they begin to sort of um, extol potential Oscar winners. And so who, who's in the frame? So, so what we're talking about, um, the ones that, that there are okay, four actors that are seem to be way ahead of the field. One is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's in a movie called Nightcrawler, and he lost 30 pounds in weight in order to play this. He wanted to make this guy look physically and spiritually hungry. Wouldn't your um, way to win an Oscar? At least 30 pounds uh, in weight. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one. Benedict Cumberbatch, he's in, uh, we've referred to it again and again. He's in uh, The Imitation Game, in which he plays Alan Turing, you know, the famous code breaker who actually eventually in the oh, 50s yeah, I'm re- I haven't sent, seen I'm looking forward yeah, to seeing but he was yeah. sent to prison for being homosexual in, in the UK then there's a, a Bill Murray who's a big favourite um, he, he's he, he's in the running for a film called St. Vincent um, and, uh, and Steve, Steve Carell is a, is a surprise then, this is a real surprise yeah? and he actually plays him I don't know if you've seen pictures of this character he plays him with this huge uh, prosthetic nose an eagle type nose and he looks awful uh, but it's a, it's a okay it's it's called um, fo- uh, Foxcatcher and it's the story of these two Olympic wrestlers who become involved in this kind of twisted and fatal relationship with a multi-millionaire uh, coach and a mm-hmm. multi-millionaire okay. coach as you That's say a true, is true story. and it's a true story and it looks very very good okay listen we're almost out of time two quick things yeah. uh, Mark wants to know uh, can you please ask Philip he's going to sit down with a bottle of wine not Philip Mark this yeah. is and watch a movie this evening he wants to know Cal- uh, Calvary or the Grand Budapest Hotel I haven't seen Grand Budapest Hotel oh. I, d- I didn't like the look of it from the preview am I, am well, I wrong? Well if you like Wes Anderson you have to like yeah, Wes yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and he's not everybody's cup of tea yeah. say. I thought it was I, Ray Fiennes is in it and he's a revelation I've never seen him this funny he's really very funny but I, I, I adore Calvary and I think Brendan Leeson is just wonderful in it. Okay. So I'd go for Calvary, I think. Okay, or if you didn't fancy a movie, well, you've, you've got a recommendation for TV tonight. And yeah, I have to say, yeah. I was surprised. I've never seen this. Yeah, and it didn't jump the, out at me. It's the absolutely excellent uh, Scott and Bailey and it returns to, for um, a fourth series on ITV at 9 o'clock tonight. And it stars, I don't know if people remember, Sir Anne Jones, she used to be in Carnation Street. I think she was married to Steve at one stage. And then there's a lovely veteran actress called Leslie Sharp. And they play the members the, of this major incident squad which, which attached to this um, fi- fictional uh, Manchester police unit and uh, just a, just a, I, there's a rave of, a review of it in the gar- preview of it in the Guardian this morning uh, the reviewer says it never puts a foot wrong rattling good plots nifty dialogue and often, asto- often astonishing performances you can't do much better than no that. you can't it's funny I, maybe it's because you won't from Carnation yeah. Street was in it I've yeah. been inclined to, to discount it, it without yeah. watching it but I'll, I'll but definitely you, keep you might sort it. of think of it you, you just look at it like that you might think of it maybe as an English Cagney and Lacey or something but I think it's much God better than that <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. God help us an English yeah. Cagney and Lacey 
crazy. I, I always loved the score. There was a great saxophone score to, to our yeah, team to it. There was. Yeah. That was about the only good That's thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. Loads we didn't get to, yeah. but I'm sure you'll get back okay. to it with George uh, okay. next week. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.